Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning and worship you. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you in song and in prayer. But Lord, we thank you that we can worship you by listening to your voice in your word. Lord, we pray that we may listen this morning and put into practice what we hear. May your word change us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And may we be able to love you all the more dearly as a result of being here this morning and worshipping you by hearing your voice. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, at the moment I am teaching Joshua his prepositions. He seems to be uh, not as clear on them. He hasn't picked them up as easily as others. Prepositions, uh, for you who might be thinking, oh, I need Joel to teach me my prepositions as well. Prepositions are simply words that describe uh, where something is in space, so um, describe things, so uh, like from, in front of, before, after, above, over, in, under, inside, those kinds of things. I'm trying to teach Joshua those prepositions. And we have this little game. We get out a cup, we get out some coins, and I say, okay, put the coin above the cup. Put the coin inside the cup. Put the coin under the cup. Put the coin in front of the cup. And he thinks it's a wonderful game. He really likes playing it. He doesn't think that I'm trying to teach him anything I don't think or that it's some sort of schooling. He just thinks it's a game that we're playing. And I'll give him these commands and... Often, because he struggles with them, he sort of sits there and sort of, mm, and he doesn't really know where to put the coin in space in relation to the cup. And that's where I have to come in and say, this is what it means. And I have to show him by example. I put the coin above the cup. I put the coin next to the cup. I put the coin under the cup to show him what it is that I'm wanting him to do. I give him an example. I show him as the example of what it is that I want him to do. And we know that this is the way that we learn a lot of things. We learn from the examples of others. We look at somebody else, we see how they behaved, and we follow their example. And we've been given a command from God. We've been given a command that uh, we looked at last time I preached on Hebrews a number of weeks ago. We've been told to be patiently waiting. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, which I preached on a few weeks ago, we saw that we were told, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We were told to be, to imitate, to follow an example of people of faith and patience who inherit what has been promised. We are being given great promises by God, but it is hard to wait for those promises to be fulfilled. And so the Bible acknowledges this. God knows our weaknesses and he then tells us to follow the example of others. And he holds up one example in particular for us to follow. And that is the example of Abraham. Abraham is then held up in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 6, page 1187 of your black church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, where we are pointed to Abraham as the example we should follow. And that brings me to my first main point this morning. Abraham received God's promise. Abraham also had promises made to him. And we read that in verse 13 and 14. We read, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. God gave great promises to Abraham 
And part of one of those promises is given to us there in verse 14. I will surely bless you. God promised to bless Abraham and also to give him many descendants. That's only part of what God said to Abraham. Back in Genesis chapter 12, One of, um, if you've got chapters in the Bible that you know as very significant, Genesis 12 should be up there on your list. Basically, there's certain chapters of the Bible which are key chapters And Genesis chapter 12 is one of those chapters because of the promises given to Abraham, where we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, where God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God made that promise there in Genesis chapter 12, but then he also made the promise in Genesis chapter 22. He promised Abraham what he said here in Hebrews chapter 6, 14, which is quoted from Genesis chapter 22. We read that the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. This is at the sacrifice of uh, Moses, well, the, the command to sacrifice Moses. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We see that God made these promises to Abraham. He basically promised him, A couple of different things. Firstly, land. He promised him that he would have a promised land. He also was promised offspring, promised many descendants, and he was also promised that he would be blessed, that God would bless him. I remember it with the acronym L-O-B, LOB. I was teaching my scripture kids at uh, scripture that this Friday. We were on Abraham as well. And I said, you use the little word LOB. And none of them knew what the word lob was until netball was mentioned. And there's something to do with lob in netball, lob a ball. L-O-B, land, offspring, blessing. Land, offspring, blessing. What did God promise Abraham? Land, offspring, and blessing. The question is, how certain was the promise, though? People make promises all the time. How certain was the promise? And that brings me to my second main point this morning. Abraham received God's promise on oath. Abraham received God's promise on oath. My word often does fall flat. I make promises that I'll be at a particular place at a particular time and it falls flat. I promise that I'll do this or do that and it falls flat. But sometimes in recognition of that fact that my promises often fail, I then can strengthen my promise. And how do you do that? You do it with an oath. And this is where we think of a court situation where in court... You take an oath. You promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then if you want to really strengthen the oath, you make the oath on something that is quite dear to you and quite dependable. And so in a court situation, you might swear on the Bible. The Bible is held up as a dependable thing, that you're swearing on the Bible means you're swearing on God, on his name, And so your word is going to be strengthened by the fact that you're taking an oath and taking the oath on something that is very dear to you and something that you would not want to see uh, hurt or damaged or broken in your life. 
And so God does the same thing. He strengthens his promise as well. Why does God need to do that? Is it because God's word falls flat at times? No. But God knows that we often doubt the word of others because we've seen others, when they've made promises, not fulfill those promises they have made. And so when God makes this promise to Abraham, he recognises that there would be doubt arising in Abraham's mind, in his wife Sarah's mind. And so he takes an oath. He strengthens his word. And we see that in verse 13. It says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. God wanted to strengthen his word, so he took an oath. And we read of that back in verse uh, in Genesis chapter 22. He swore an oath to Abraham that he would surely give him the land, the offspring, the blessing. And he didn't just swear it, he swore it on something. What did he swear on? He swore it on himself. Says there why he did that. Verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. God has nothing that is greater than him that he could swear on. When you swear in court that you're going to tell the truth, you look to something greater to swear on. What about God? He is uncreated. There's no greater being than him. So what does he swear on? He swore on himself. He swore on himself. I will make sure that my word does indeed come true. So Abraham had good reason to trust God and wait for the promise. It was on an oath an oath on God himself. So what did Abraham do? He had this promise given to him. He had it sworn to him. What did he do? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Abraham waited for the fulfilment of the promise. Abraham waited for the fulfilment of the promise. And we read that in verse 15 of of Hebrews chapter 6. We read, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Abraham had to wait a long time for the promises to start even being fulfilled, to start to see them being fulfilled, particularly the offspring one. He got promised that he would have a child. At 75 years of age, he was going to have a kid, he was told. When did Isaac show up? When Abraham was 100. He had to wait 25 years before Isaac came along and he started to see offspring. And then when he had he had the test, as we read in Genesis chapter 22, where he was commanded to sacrifice his son, how long did Abraham wait before he found out that he didn't have to kill his son? Three days. He was told, you have to go and sacrifice your son. And it was a long journey. They went on the journey and it took three days before Abraham went up onto that mountain and was told, no, your son is not going to die and your son is literally given back to you by me. Later on in Hebrews, we read that it's as though Isaac was raised from the dead that day. He was demanded of God, but then God allowed a sacrifice to be made on his behalf and so that Isaac was not killed. And so Abraham had to wait patiently for the resurrection of his son, that his son would be given back to him. And then to go home to that heavenly home that God had promised him, the blessing for eternity, how long did Abraham have to wait He was given promises initially when he was 75. How long before Abraham died? 
He was 175 years old when he died. Promised at 75, 175 he died. A hundred year gap that Abraham had to wait before he was taken to his heavenly home and gathered to his fathers and goes to be with God. So Abraham had to wait. But in what manner did Abraham wait for these promises to be fulfilled? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Abraham waited patiently for the fulfilment of the promise. We can wait in frustration. You can wait patiently. What did Abraham do? He waited patiently. We read that in verse 15. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Abraham didn't get angry. He didn't vent in frustration to God and change gods. He didn't go back to the gods of his his fathers, his ancestors. No, he continued to follow faithfully the God who made these promises to him. And he waited patiently. He soldiered on with life. He got on with what God wanted him to do. And he waited patiently for a hundred years before he was called home. And then what ultimately happened to Abraham? Well, he received what was promised. That's my fifth main point this morning. Abraham received what was promised. And we read that in verse 15 as well. It says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. He was promised offspring. He received Isaac. took 25 years, but he did receive Isaac. And he received Isaac basically from the dead as well. There's two ways that Abraham received Isaac from the dead. One way is firstly from his own body and his wife's body. We read that his body was as good as dead. He was a hundred years old when he gave he, he um, had his first child. Not many hundred-year-old men are having children. And his wife, Sarah, it is explicitly said in Genesis that the way of woman women was not known to her, her anymore. And the um, the Greek translation demonstrates that basically she's gone through menopause. Sarah had gone through menopause at, and when Abraham was 75 and then 25 years later she suddenly gets pregnant. It's a miracle. They're from dead bodies that they get Isaac, bodies that cannot give life anymore. But they get this baby Isaac and then they get Isaac back from the dead when he, is not have, he does not have to be sacrificed on the mountain as well. And so the promises are fulfilled for Abraham. He receives blessing in his own lifetime. He receives offspring in his own lifetime. And then he receives heaven itself. And we know that he lives with God. Jesus makes that very clear. He says that God is, uh, he says um, that God, when he talks to Moses at the burning bush, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God is the God of the living, not the dead. And so by the fact that he says, I am the God of Abraham, shows that Abraham is still alive. Abraham is with God. He has inherited what has been promised to him. And that's what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15 points out as well, that Abraham received what was promised. So that's Abraham. But why are we having this side lesson on Abraham again? Why is that Abraham brought up here in Hebrews chapter 6? Because we're supposed to learn from his example. 
Just like Joshua learns from my example with his prepositions and holding the coin next to the cup, above the cup, under the cup, we're supposed to look to Abraham as an example that we can follow. Because we are very much like Abraham. In what way? Well, that brings me to my sixth main point this morning. You have received God's promise. You have received God's promise. The blessings of Abraham, those promises of Abraham made to Abraham, follow through to his descendants today. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16, just a little bit earlier in the same book, it, for surely it is not angels he helps, God helps, but Abraham's descendants. God helps Abraham's descendants. And the promise of eternal life in a heavenly land flow through from Abraham to us today as well. God has made promises to us. In 1 John 2.25 we read, And this is what he, God, promised us, even eternal life. God has promised us eternal life. And then in 2 Peter 3.13 we read, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We are looking forward to this new heaven, this new home, where we are going to because of God's promises. But you may be saying, okay, hang on, but I'm not descended from Abraham. And Hebrews 2.16 said that it is not angels God helps, but Abraham's descendants. And very few of us, I think, in this room would be able to trace our ancestry back to Abraham. So how can we inherit God's promises today? Is it possible to inherit those promises given to Abraham? Well, yes, you can. How? By faith. Galatians 3.14 tells us this truth. It says that God redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's non-Abraham's descendants, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How do we receive Abraham's promises today? Well, we connect in by faith with one of Abraham's descendants. Who is that descendant? Jesus Christ. By trusting in Jesus Christ, we become children of Abraham as well. And if we are children of Abraham, then we receive the promises given to Abraham. The blessing, the big family, the heavenly home, it all becomes ours as well through faith in Jesus Christ. You might be saying, how certain are these promises that God has made made to us? Are they ones that we can be certain will be fulfilled? Well, that brings me to my seventh main point. You receive God's promise on oath. Remember God made his promises on oath. And he didn't just make them on oath. As my eighth main, um, you also receive God's promise on himself. He swore an oath on himself that he would indeed give us what he has promised. And so... What do we need to do? Well, we need to follow the example of Abraham. Like Abraham, we have God's promises. We have God's promises on oath. What are we to do? Well, we follow Abraham's example and do what my eighth main point says this morning. You need to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. You need to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. Yes, a promise has been given you, but you have a wait ahead of you. You trust in Jesus Christ, which I hope you do. If you do not, do it today. Trust in him so that you can inherit the promises of Abraham. And once you have done that, once you've trusted that Jesus Christ died for your sins, then you have to wait. 
you have to wait. You have to wait either for your death or till Jesus Christ returns. Now that doesn't mean you don't experience a partial fulfilment of the promises now. You can receive great blessing from God even now. You can receive a great family even now and hopefully you're part of a local church where you're connected in with brothers and sisters in Christ through Jesus. But ultimately the true fulfilment of those promises are still to come and you have to wait. And how are you supposed to wait? Well, you're supposed to wait patiently. That's my ninth main point this morning. You need to wait patiently for the fulfilment of the promise. Remember, that's what we've been told to do. We've been told to follow the example. In verse 12 we were told, we do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You need to be patient. And then we're meant to imitate people and Abraham is held up as an example of that waiting. And that is verse 15 where he says, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Now I know all too well what it is to have to wait and to not want to be patient. When I stand in lines, particularly at checkouts, I hate the ones where they have multiple lines for multiple checkouts. I love this new invention where you have one big line that goes to all the checkouts because I hate waiting. And so I will try and work out which line is going to be the fastest line so that I get to the checkout and hopefully beat other people who came after me. Because that's my greatest fear is that someone will come who wasn't there before me and they will join a checkout queue and they will actually make it to the checkout before I did who was there first. That's the greatest fear that I have when I go to the shops and I line up. It's terrible. I hate to wait. I'm not patient. And children, I'm sure you recognize this as well. There are many things that are promised to you in life. But you have to wait. And it's hard work to wait patiently. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get frustrated. And it's the same with God and his command to us that we need to wait patiently. It's easy for us to want to abandon everything altogether. Just like when you go to the checkouts and you see a massive queue and sometimes I just walk away. I say, I'll come back another day when there's no queue. If there's a massive queue, I just give up. I don't want to wait. And that's what we're tempted to do with God and his promises. He makes promises to us and then what do I have to do? I can't go immediately to heaven when I repent and trust in Jesus Christ. You mean I've got to wait until either Jesus comes back or I die? That's no fun. And so it's easy to want to go and grab things that seem to give us greater promises here in this life, to abandon Jesus Christ, to abandon following God and to go after other things that will give us more instant pleasure here and now because we don't want to wait and we don't want to wait patiently. And so instead we abandon God, which is what these Hebrews are thinking of doing. It's starting to hurt to be a Christian. And so this letter has been written to them telling them, don't abandon Jesus Christ. Wait patiently. The only encouragement I guess we can have from this, the good news, is that we probably won't have to wait as long as Abraham did. He had to wait a 100 years from the promise that was given to him at 75 years of age to 175 before he was called home. 
I doubt many of us will have to wait a hundred years from when we first accept Jesus Christ and the promises he made to when we're called home. And hopefully, I'm, I, I do pray regularly, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come back, so that he might come back tonight or he might come back next week so I don't have to wait any longer. It would be wonderful to be in heaven tonight, that the prayer service that I planned this afternoon will be non-existent, will never have gotten off the ground because Jesus comes back and we won't have to wait anymore. But if he doesn't, we have to wait patiently. Why should we bother waiting patiently? Well, that's my tenth main point this morning. You can receive what was promised. You will receive the promise of blessing just like Abraham did if you will wait patiently. But if you follow the temptation to reject Jesus Christ, that you've done waiting, then you won't receive the promises. It's like me when I go to the shops and I get something to buy and I go to the checkout and I can't be bothered waiting patiently in queue to buy it. What do I have to do? Do I still walk out of the shop with what I want? No, I have to leave it behind. I do not get what I want because I cannot be bothered to wait patiently. And if you cannot be bothered to wait patiently and you think you can reject God and you'll still inherit what was promised, then think again because you will not. You have to wait patiently. You have to continue following Christ all your days if you are to receive what was promised. And so I encourage you this morning to follow the example of Abraham. Be someone who trusts in God, has faith in God, hears the promises and puts your trust in him and then waits patiently. Are you someone who has trusted Jesus Christ and are you someone that is patiently waiting? Yes, it is hard work in this world. There are many things that will obstacles that you will come against that will encourage you to reject Jesus Christ. But are you someone that even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain that may come your way, troubles that haunt you, are you prepared to wait patiently so that you will one day receive what was promised to Abraham and also to you? Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that by faith we can be descendants of Abraham and receive the promises you made to him. But Lord, we pray that we may follow Abraham's example, not just in trusting you, but also in waiting patiently. Lord, we pray that you may give us strength to wait and to wait with patience. May we not reject you because we cannot be bothered to wait. May we cling to Jesus Christ, even if it means a long and hard wait, because we know that we have a wonderful heavenly home that we're looking forward to. And so, Lord, we pray that we may indeed wait patiently by your strength given to us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.